Numbers chapter 20. This chapter begins the final year of the children of Israel in the wilderness. Uh, Matthew Henry comments that this chapter begins the history of the 40th year, which was the last of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. And since the beginning of their second year, when they were sentenced to perform their quarantine in the desert, there to wear away the tedious revolution of 40 years, there is little recorded concerning them till this last year, which brought them to the borders of Canaan. And the history of this year is almost as large as the history of the first year. In other words, the history of Moses gives us the first year in large detail, not much about the rest, and now some very extensive details about the final year. Here now the reading of God's holy word, Numbers 20, starting at verse 1. Then the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin in the first month, and the people abode in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord? And why have ye brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our cattle should die there? And wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us in unto this evil place? It is no place of seed or of figs, or of vines, or of pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell upon their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock, before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, Because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. This is the water of Meribah. Because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and he was sanctified in them. And Moses sent messengers from Kadesh unto the king of Edom. Thus saith thy brother Israel, Thou knowest all the travail that hath befallen us, how our fathers went down into Egypt, and we have dwelt in Egypt a long time, and the Egyptians vexed us and our fathers. And when we cried unto the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel, and hath brought us forth out of Egypt, and behold, we are in Kadesh, a city in the uttermost of thy border. Let us pass, I pray thee, 
through thy country. We will not pass through the fields or through the vineyards, neither will we drink of the water of the wells. We will go by the king's highway. We will not turn to the right hand nor to the left until we have passed thy borders. And Edom said unto him, Thou shalt not pass by me, lest I come out against thee with the sword. And the children of Israel said unto him, We will go by the king by the highway, and if I and my cattle drink of thy water, then I will pay for it. I will only, without doing anything else, go through on my feet. And he said, Thou shalt not go through. And Edom came out against him with much people and with a strong hand. Thus Edom refused to give Israel passage through his border. Wherefore Israel turned away from him. And the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, journeyed from Kadesh and came unto Mount Hor. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in Mount Hor by the coast of the land of Edom, saying, Aaron shall be gathered unto his people, for he shall not enter into the land which I have given unto the children of Israel, because ye rebelled against my word at the water of Meribah. Take Aaron and Eleazar his son and bring them up unto Mount Hor. And strip Aaron of his garments, and put them upon Eleazar his son, and Aaron shall be gathered unto his people, and shall die there. And Moses did as the Lord commanded, and they went up into Mount Hor in the sight of all the congregation. And Moses stripped Aaron of his garments, and put them upon Eleazar his son. And Aaron died there in the top of the mount, and Moses and Eleazar came down from the mount. And when all the congregation saw that Aaron was dead, they mourned for Aaron thirty days, even all the house of Israel. Thus far the reading of the word of Almighty God. May the Lord bless us and profit us from it. A few comments on this passage. Verses 1 through 13, we have the death of Miriam, the water from the rock, and God's judgment of the matter, specifically the conduct of Moses and Aaron. This wilderness in verse 1 is identified as Zin, a town in the extreme south of Judah, or separating that province of Judah from Edom in later times. Notice that the people in verse 2 have not learned their lesson. What do they do when they have troubles and difficulties? Do they cry to the Lord and ask him, to have mercy on them and to provide for their needs? No. They gather themselves together against the authorities that God established for them. They did not learn from their prior experiences. It says, in fact, that they chode with Moses. That is, they contended, they debated, they were striving and fighting against Moses and Aaron instead of calling upon the Lord. Notice how they see themselves in the light of victims. Now it is true, their animals and themselves did not have water. And if your animals don't have water, what happens to them? They'll die, won't they? So all of your wealth and all of the things you own would be in your cattle and maybe some gold and silver, maybe some nice garments they have. So half of your worldly goods destroyed because you have no water. So they truly had a hardship on their hands but God requires that we respond to difficulties in a way that's pleasing to him. They see themselves not as evildoers in need of repentance 
because God is chastening them and calling them to humiliation. No, they see themselves as good people who deserve good things. And therefore, if bad things happen to their good selves, whose fault must it be? Maybe it's Moses' fault. Notice what they say, verse 5. Wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt and to bring us in unto this evil place? They are victims. That's what they're saying. Moses, you're the perpetrator. Aaron, co-conspirator. We, completely innocent. Now, why is it they were still in the wilderness? Because they disobeyed God. They didn't believe in his promises. They didn't go up into the promised land. And now they blame Moses. Whenever we see ourselves in the light of a victim, we're not prepared to acknowledge wrongdoing. We're prepared to stay unrepentant as the children of Israel. Always the victim and therefore never repentant. That's the story of the Israelites. Notice how Moses and Aaron respond to this. They fell upon their faces. In their distress, what do they do? They call on the name of the Lord, just as we sang about from Psalm 20. When God sends trouble, then you call on the Lord for help. Send help from above, we sang in Psalm 20, when God sends trouble. That's what Moses and Aaron do. They call upon the Lord because the Lord alone can help. Notice God says in verse 8 how to remedy this situation. They were to gather the congregation together and speak unto the rock. And then it would give forth water. Now, this rock is Christ in a metaphorical sense in God's economy. He had this rock follow them around, provide life for them miraculously, as we saw in Exodus 17, where Moses did, in fact, strike the rock and waters came forth as God told him. Here, though, God says something different. He doesn't say to strike it the second time. He says to speak to it, speak to the rock. Now, Moses does not remember this. Moses actually forgets what God is teaching him here. Our catechism says the following in larger catechism question 44, the answer about Christ's priesthood. Christ executed the office of a priest in his once offering himself a sacrifice without spot to to be a reconciliation for the sins of the people and in making continual intercession for them. The rock had been struck once. That was enough. Now you speak to the rock. Now you call forth the blessing from the rock. Moses starts well in verse 9. It says that he took the rod. He took it from before the Lord. This was either the rod Aaron had when it blossomed, or this is the rod that Moses had in Egypt. It doesn't matter. The point is God's power is going to be demonstrated in an unusual means, not of striking with the rod, but of speaking with it and the rod in his hand as the shepherd of Israel symbolically, which is the Lord himself, Moses being his representative. Notice though, to whom or to what does Moses speak in verse 10? Moses and Aaron, they gather the congregation as God had said. And then it notes, and he, that is Moses said unto them, that is the people. What did God say he should speak to? The rock. Moses spoke unadvisedly, we're told in Psalm 106, verses 32 and 33. 
Moses' concerns about their rebellion against him push aside the commandment of God. So although Moses starts well, he ends badly. He smote it twice, it says. Now this could possibly be translated the second time. The first time being back in Exodus 17, this being the second time, or it could mean that he actually struck it twice in this one event. In either case, it was disobedience. And God says that Moses and Aaron are not going to make it into the promised land in verse 12. He says, because ye believed me not to sanctify me. Now, obedience is an act of faith. If you believe that God has the higher authority, then you will obey his commandments. They did not believe to sanctify. That's what he says. Westminster Annotations comment, God is most to be honored for his own holiness and by the holiness of men. So God wants to be sanctified by us being holy. But what does it mean to be holy? They go on. The holiness of men, which consisteth in believing his word and obeying his command. That's holiness, faith, and love. Hearing, believing, and doing. Now notice God would sanctify himself, not by their actively seeking God's glory by believing and obeying, but it says in verse 13 that God was sanctified in them, that is Moses and Aaron. How was he sanctified? By punishing them. God's name was honored by the punishment he inflicted against Moses and Aaron. Verses 14 through 21, we have the negotiation with Edom and their refusal of Israel's request to simply pass through the highway. Notice verse 14, the beginning of this appeal, he refers to himself as thy brother. This is Moses writing to Edom. I am your, your kin. I am your flesh. And not, not only that, but you know what's befallen us. All the travail, he says. Notice there is an appeal to fraternal affection, natural affection as brothers, but also to natural pity. We've been through some very hard times. That's true. Does that move Edom? No. He says, thou shalt not pass by me, lest I come out against thee with the sword. Edom is fierce and unnatural, savage, without compassion. And Edom made good on this promise. They came out and were ready to fight, we're told in verse 20. They're ready to kill instead of exercise hospitality. That's how godless the Edomites had become. Remember, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. God abandoned and turned Edom over to his own desires. We'll see later in passages like Psalm 137, the savage and wickedness of the people of Edom who celebrate the destruction of Jerusalem. Finally then, verses 22 through 29, we have Aaron's death at Mount Hor. We have Eleazar appointed as his successor, and Aaron is mourned. Verse 24 again refers to the waters of Meribah, and because of the rebellion of Moses and Aaron there, even a slight offense, but because they were supposed to be the chief in honoring God, God held them to a higher standard. They clearly disobeyed a commandment God had given them. 
So Aaron must die, and his son Eleazar is to take his place. It says in verse 26 that they stripped Aaron, that is of his um, priestly garments. God is telling him to strip him and to put those garments upon Eleazar, his son. Now this is very important in the book of Hebrews chapter 7, verses 22 through 25. We read that Jesus was made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, that is our Lord Jesus Christ, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Christ has an untrespassable priesthood because his life never ends. It was not so with Aaron. Now notice verse 29. The people of Israel are rather foolish. They mourn for Aaron 30 days. That's not foolish, is it? It's good to mourn over someone that you love, but did they love him? Did they show him honor and respect during his lifetime? Did they give him proper obedience? No, they rebelled against Aaron during his life. And yet his death resets their priorities or maybe shows their hypocrisy. They pretend to love Aaron when in fact they never did. But this is a call to us. Sometimes we wait until a person dies to reconcile ourselves to such a person. God does not want us to be of that sort like the Israelites who only honor Aaron after his death. God wants us to be reconciled during our lives so that we can be in love and honor before the death of those whom we ought to honor, not after. And thus far the explanation of the word of Almighty God from Numbers chapter 20.